This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, so I will let you introduce our guest because it goes way back. We both have worked with him, and this is a good chance, but I think this also not only to re- get reacquainted and get caught up, but also this is a good week just to talk big picture about where the Bears are and where they might be headed. Well, you knew when we started this podcast that I had two dream guests for this podcast, and we've already checked them both off before Halloween. The first was Justin Fields. The second is Rich Campbell, right? <laughs> the, the wish list here. And Rich Campbell, obviously my partner on the beat for seven seasons from 2013 through the end of the 2019 season. And he is here this week, David, because he he actually sat in the sands at Soldier Field to watch Bears Commanders on Thursday night. Rich Campbell, how's it going? It's going great. It's great to see both of you, Dan. I, I would just say you need to readjust your your dream standards. But I'm happy to I'm happy to, to fill the void for you here. Yes, yeah, section section two fifty three, row seventeen, in the north end zone. It was a different vantage point than I had ever had at Soldier Field, but it was a good time to be with the fans and. Check out uh, a football game from a different vantage point there. You told us it was emotional uh, before we started recording. What was emotional about the return to Soldier Field? For Paying you? for it? Was that the emotional part? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's part of it. And, and the game, in, in that respect, David, lived up to, to all, all of the billing, uh, especially following the Colts-Broncos snooze fest from the week before. This was uh, just about on par with that. And, and, and you know, it was just to – to be around the 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 energy, the spectacle of Soldier Field, and the passion of the Bears fans to be to be sitting among them, you know, I miss that. I miss that in the in the two and a half seasons since I've left the beat and left sports journalism. Um, I'm a, a fan in every sense of the word, uh, you know, a sports fan. Um, so I went up to to cheer on my favorite team. And if you had seen me in section 253, I had my Chicago Tribune hat on. That was the only, uh, that was the only gear I wore. Cause that's, you know, that's who I was, uh, I was supporting. I could have had a score shirt on David. I guess I, I, I never got the swag that, uh, that I needed for that. We've expanded the budget since you left. Rich, okay. Good. After you good. left, just for clarity's sake though, when you say it was your favorite team, just to remind people you grew up in the Washington DC area. So your favorite team was not the Chicago bears. You were there to see on Thursday night. Well, so I had a couple of buddies who are, are big Washington football fans fly in and we made it a whole weekend. You know, David, you know, I and Dan, you know, too, I root for the Maryland Terrapins. They were down at IU on Saturday. We made it a football doubleheader weekend. Very Kevin, nice. Can you think of two better games than Commanders, Bears and ter- Terps, Hoosiers? <laughs> uh, but but so um, it was. 
I had a couple couple friends text me, you know, asking me if I was watching the the Rich Campbell beat writer bowl for Bears <laughs> Bears Commanders. And I said, yeah, I was there. I, I played it down the middle though. I was there. Uh, it kind of takes it out of it. You guys know how it is, but but it was cool to be in it, uh, surrounded by these fans who are showing up on a cold Thursday night to to watch their team to see if their quarterback can progress. Uh, in a season where expectations are prop, what I my sense was properly aligned. I mean, that was the big difference Thursday night. Is you had a a Washington team that's that's really feeling desperate. They're feeling left behind in their division, and you have a Bears team that, you know, for as much as their fans are, are truly desperate to see progress from Justin Fields, that they understand what the season is about. You know, I was I was driving into Chicago, uh, David, on on Thursday morning, and I heard you and Mully talking to Jeff Joniak, and and just the baseline of your conversation really set the tone for my my whole viewing experience there from the Bears side. It's like, look, you know what the Bears are this year. And you can evaluate accordingly. And of course, all eyes on the quarterback, everything running through that. But the Bears showed on Thursday night all of those shortcomings that they're trying to work through in, in year one of a rebuild. So, Rich, a couple of questions for you, because obviously you are in some text threads with me, uh, with others who, who are active on the beat and others who are, are uh, not and the beat any longer, but have very strong opinions about things that are happening with the Chicago Bears. I'm just curious, first time live eyes, watching Justin Fields play, what are the initial impressions just from, from a guy who knows this league well, who knows quarterback development well, and who knows the challenge that's facing this organization and this quarterback? What do you think for one night on a Thursday in October? Yeah, I, I think one thing that, that really stood out was, was Justin Fields' tantalizing athleticism. I mean, he has some playmaking instincts that are obvious, especially off script. And just right away, you can understand why an, an NFL scout, an NFL executive would be attracted to him as a quarterback you could build with, build around, just because you can, you know, can you harness that playmaking ability when, when it's third and eight and you're pressured, can he get you 15 on the ground? And the answer to that is, is yes. And so he gives you a chance to win when he's got the playmaking ability and, and it's, it's flowing, but, and you know, as you guys have experienced and, and the fan base certainly has experienced that excitement, that energy, that juice is offset by the misses, particularly in the passing game where whatever instincts really shine athletically, he still is refining those instincts as a passer. And, and by that, I, you know, it's everything from some of the fundamentals, some, some missed throws. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Some missed throws, easy yeah. completions that he should have had that really changed the game, but also anticipating receivers downfield can he read defenses of course uh it, it's it's hard to separate you know i'm sitting in the end zone and you're watching the game unfold you see you're seeing route combinations unfold and you realize you know, he's not exactly throwing to the highest caliber of a receiving core here it's hard to separate that but for me it, it you, you go with the ability it's obvious and then all the questions that come after that is so hard to sort through. And you know, I did it for 11 years covering the league and various quarterbacks along the way. And you guys are right in the middle of it with Fields right now. Yeah, and I think that's why when you – the cliche potential get, will get a coach fired. And potential has got a lot of coaches fired. And, and Justin Fields has that kind of potential that you will forgive a lot of sins and shortcomings and overlook them because of what you described. You know, that athleticism, those are things – you can't coach special, you can't defend it, but you can't really 
do anything but want to see more of it and try to develop the other skills around him. He's a special runner, but he is also a franchise quarterback, so he needs to be a special passer. That'll happen. So tell me this. So, Rich, everyone in their mind has, like, the ultimate comp or somebody that, he, you know, Justin Fields or any player reminds them of. I was watching Monday night or Sunday Night Football um, and the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I talked about this on the radio Monday morning. You know, a, a year ago, in Philly, right after they lost in the playoffs to the Eagles, NBC Sports Philadelphia had the headline, Jalen Hurts is probably not the guy. Okay. <laughs> so we've all been there, right? We've all mm-hmm. kind of announced people done and fired or dismissed or cut or whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom, look, you look silly. I think that headline looks silly because now Jalen Hurts is you know, having an MVP-like season. I see parallels between – Jalen Hurts in his second season in a football tough market in a team that didn't have all the weapons yet, and but he was progressing. It was painful. He went through a lot. I see parallels between what he did and what Justin Fields still can do. I haven't discounted that possibility, even though I have identified the same types of shortcomings, the same types of flaws that I think we all agree he has, but I'm not sure because of that special aspect that he can't overcome those. Is that ridiculous? No, I, I think that's spot on. Jalen Hurts is the comp that comes to my mind. And and I also extend that back to their collegiate career, you know, the same types of accomplishments, the same type of stage that they were on. And so you, you know, as you compare Fields to, let's say, Mitch Trubisky, the, the predecessor as the highly drafted franchise quarterback, Justin Fields was on a different type of stage in college and had a different level of success just with his program. And I think we came to learn over that time uh, watching Mitch ultimately bust in Chicago that that means something, you know, that that pedigree and that preparation to win at the NFL level means something. I do think the the weapons around Fields are, are worth discussing in the context of his overall development and the amount of time it's going to take. But I also think that there needs to be a baseline of immediate success anymore in the NFL. And in fact, Dan, you were alluding to Zach Zaidman, uh, our, our friend who- I wasn't gonna use his name. I was gonna yeah. let him off the hook, but you no, just no, did. It's it's right. so, so since you were on the uh, on the COVID list on uh, Wednesday night, I was able to, to talk to Zach a little bit. You know, we, we had dinner at, uh, in his near his new home of Wrigley Field. And we talked about the the, preparation of a quarterback coming to the NFL now. And because there are so many collegiate concepts in NFL offenses, there's a level of preparedness that you expect from a college quarterback now that maybe you didn't 10 years ago. Like when I was covering Robert Griffin uh, with the, with the, Redskins, when he was drafted second overall, that was more novel when you saw some of the RPO concepts come into the league and, and the Shanahan uh, father son duo brought that with Robert to try to set him up for success. Well, now that's a bit of an expectation. And so you expect these quarterbacks to be a bit more fluid early on. And the fact that you haven't really seen that with fields is a huge concern, I think, especially as a passer, because you're not going to get a lot better learning, you know, when, when the difficulty setting is on the highest level, like it is at the NFL, at the NFL level, you know, the fastest defenses, the, the smartest coordinators, that type of thing. So I think it's really fair to wonder what he's got, you know, the potential he has that he hasn't shown yet. And you have moments in that game on Thursday night where you're going, if he can't hit that throw now, he's never going to hit that throw. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I mean, I know what you mean very, very clearly. You brought up Robert Griffin, and I think it's a good contrast because David brought up the the premature burial of Jalen Hurts in Philly. Well, there was a premature coronation of, of Robert Griffin in Washington, and you were there during his electric rookie of the year campaign takes the, the the Redskins at the time to the playoffs and, and and no one in their in their wildest imagination would have imagined during that season that Robert Griffin would be on the list of, of lengthy busts. So I'm curious how in retrospect you kind of view that sort of the the, the rush to say, yep, that's it. That's a that's a for sure arrival for a guy. And then you see how it pans out and what sort of parameters and conclusions it leads you to draw as you as you try to assess quarterbacks when 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 we all sort of see from two circumstances here that it's a very long game with these things yeah i I think the 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 question that hovers over all of this is how long does it take the jury to deliberate right i mean how long do do you need to see a quarterback play and try to grow and and work through his systems you know system change in in justin fields's case before you can say one way or the other with confidence he's your guy he's not your guy you know when dan when you and i showed up in chicago in 2013 jay cutler was halfway through his tenure in chicago and that was the entire conversation was what was he going to get extended right like that's that's what we walked into and and it wasn't long before you know you and others would say like look the jury is in and we know what he is. I don't think the jury's in on Justin, and I don't no. think it, it will be by necessarily by the end of this year. I think you can give him chances with a different receiving core, you know, better players around him, more continuity with his scheme to see what he has. I mean, certainly contractually, all that they're going to have that opportunity, so we can and we can see that through. But with Griffin, okay, first game of his career, all right, the Washington went down to New Orleans. New Orleans was mm-hmm. coming off a thirteen and three season. Griffin that day threw for 320 yards, 19 of 26 passing, and he also ran for 42 yards. Okay, I remember he had a deep ball touchdown, didn't he? Somewhere early in that yes, game, yes, he, he hit Pierre Garcon on an 80 plus yard touchdown. Uh, I actually went back and watched it this morning just, just for this. <laughs> uh, and the ball was a little high. Garcon went up and made a catch for him, but Griffin took a shot on this on that play, and it's a very famous photo in, in Washington football circles of Griffin Griffin sitting on his backside with his hands up as Garcon runs into the darkness of the Super Bowl Superdome end zone. But I remember after that game, we report a couple of reporters and I were standing outside the locker room and we saw Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator come out and give a massive high five to one of his colleagues. And the takeaway from that moment was Kyle knew after one game, he knew that they had a guy, you know, a guy who could, who could challenge defenses, a guy who could pass. The reason it fell apart with Robert it was because he got hurt. He got, you know, he tore his ACL at the end of that season and it mixed with, um, or I should say, it facilitated a personality clash, a power struggle, and some intangibles really caused that situation to crumble. But physically, and, and as a passer, Griffin had it. It's a real shame for that organization that that it didn't you know, just take root as, you know, a healthy quarterback learning and, and or growing organically. So... Really, in that instance, it wasn't necessarily you know, a premature coordination in the sense that we got it wrong. It was that he got hurt and the circumstances changed. Well, the question that nobody really knows the answer to in Chicago right now with, uh, with Justin Fields is, is how, how loud is the clock ticking at Hallis Hall in terms of we talk about the deliberation period and how long it'll last. You don't know the sense of urgency that they feel to make a decision 
whether it's at the end of this year, whether they've already agreed that, well, you know what, next year is fair because then they'll have a better offensive line. Then they'll have better wide receivers. And you wonder how all of that is impacted by the potential 2023 draft class. I, I don't know those answers, but I think they're all factored in. But there are signs along the way you guys both have sort of referenced in, in making a decision too quickly either way. Robert Griffin III was – RG3 was the, the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And then they were wrong about him. Still got on, it wrong. Yeah, still wasn't the guy. Mitch Trubisky went to the Pro Bowl as an alternate in 2018. We were all there for that. They were wrong about him. He didn't have a special quality, really, overall. I just think that either way, the, the only thing that we know about judging a quarterback is what is the hardest thing to do is that it, you have to show patience and you have to be able to wait until you draw a conclusion. And it's just painful and awkward along the way because everybody wants an instant answer. Well, David, and, and people, the audience gets frustrated, right? Because they want that instant answer that you mentioned, but they're not really willing to wait for a full body of evidence to, to come to the answer one way or another. And so we get caught in this cycle that we're in now where, uh, you know, like what I said going into this week, we're in week seven now, is, is do the doubters, do the Justin Fields doubters at least have enough patience to, to be willing to give Justin 11 more games, right? To see what he does with these 11 more games and figure out if there's any growth in there. And then... Ideally, give them a few more at least in the next season when, as you mentioned, there'll be better better receiving core, better offensive line, better you know, continuity in the system and all those things around them. Is Are people willing to give that? On the same token, do the true Justin Fields believers have the ability to acknowledge that succeeding at this position on this level to the highest level that people are aiming for is a near impossible task and that you cannot let a quarterback off the hook for every mistake he makes just because deep down in your gut, you want him to be the guy. And so you forgive all sins. Right. And that's where I think you and I have tried to be somewhere in the middle of, of that shouting match and taking bullets from both sides. Uh, but man, it's, it's complicated because there are, there is so much more that needs to be learned before we're ever even close to, to having enough information to cast an informed verdict you can cast any verdict you want early but it may not be informed to the level it needs to be well and, and this is where i have a, a level of sympathy for the bears fan base because they're just so desperate i, I mean the desperation yeah you, know, and you can feel it all the way down here in indy uh, that that they w just want it so bad they're willing to to assert that uh, they've seen this meaningful tangible jump in progress from two quarters of a game that they didn't even win yeah, I mean, you've got to stack these games and put together a body of work. And and we went through it with Trubisky as well. He had uh, games where he threw, you know, the Tampa Bay game, Dan, right, where he threw for what five touchdowns, six touchdowns, six touchdowns, uh, yeah, yep. right, and and it, it ended up being just a flash. So I you think know, you had some them. Johnny Lujak lead or something, right? The, uh, probably that sounds like something I would write. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no references to Sid Luckman. Just we we just went straight for for Johnny. Yeah, right. But yeah, that yeah. uh, that. The patience is difficult. It really is when you've starved as long as, as the Bears fan base has. But you've got to try to see this clearly without bias. And if you go back to Fields' game on Thursday night, as usual, there were a lot of plays to like. And there were a lot of plays that you didn't like. And when you lose, the ones that you don't make are the ones that stand out. And, and there were certainly a few of those um, on the positive side. You know, I, one of the things I was saying to my, my buddies in the stands is like third down, you know, it's third down and long. It's like the worst thing that Washington can do on third and long here is get pressure. 
because Fields is going to make something happen. He's going to go right. off script and he's going to create. And that, that's a great trait to have as a quarterback, but it can't be your best trait. You've yeah, got right. to be able to, to, to be that passer, and he's not there yet. Why any defensive coordinator would play man coverage against the Bears? Because the threat is not getting beat by a wide receiver. The threat is turning your back and letting the quarterback take advantage of that, tuck it, and run it and gain 25. 